0: ABC Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. A few months ago, I took myself off to see the new Indiana Jones movie. And if you also saw it, you'll know that it stars Harrison Ford looking very much like he did when the first Indiana Jones movie came out in 1981. And it got me thinking about the future of movies. If a young Harrison Ford can be churned out of a computer, Will studios looking for an easy hit just keep coming back to the stars they know? It turns out I am not the only one who's been asking these questions. In fact, there's been a whole actor's strike about it. I'm Tegan Taylor and this is Quick Smart, the show that feeds you big ideas in bite-sized pieces. So how far can AI in films go? What's the point of finding and nurturing and paying up-and-coming actors when a character on a screen is a simple copy-paste away? And would you feel differently about your favourite TV show if you knew the characters in it were just created by a computer? One person who is definitely not an AI simulation, at least I don't think so, is Bev Wang. Hey, Bev. Tegan hello. I am I can confirm that I'm a real human. And you've been talking about this quite a lot on Stop Everything the past couple of months. Has there been a moment... Where you've, like, watched a movie and realised that there's, like, an AI moment in it that has kind of creeped you out a bit?
1: I think that moment for me came when I started to dig into the detail of what had been agreed to in this historic deal between the Actors Union and the Screen Producers of America, you know, and and all of the streamers and the studios and and whatnot that make up that powerful organisation. The detail to which they define these four different types of AI and then gave explanations as to how these might be used, I started to realise, wow, this is big, this is huge. No wonder the actors were really holding out for some safety, security and definitions around it. What are the four definitions? In this agreement that they've struck, there are four types of AI. They're pretty sort of dry headlines. So the four types are employment-based digital replica, followed by independently created digital replica, then there's generative artificial intelligence, and then there's digital replication of background actors. Pretty dense, right? But when you drill down into what all of these mean, and then the consent requirements around them, you realize that these are real matters of... You know, can Harrison Ford be used in perpetuity with various versions of his body? What would he have to consent to? All of this is actually the stuff that they were arguing about for months. It's very, very, very real. So you were talking
0: about the different like categories before of different types of AI. What does this actually look like in practice for
1: actors? Okay, so one area that we probably don't think a lot about is the role of background actors, right? So these are all the non-speaking people we see milling around, you know, when there's a scene in a cafe in a rom-com or you've gone to a ball game, you know, the the main character's at a ball game, a stadium, and there's people in the stands, right? Those are all working actors, but they're not saying anything. But the reality is that the majority of actors uh, are not the kind of Nicole Kidman's, Hugh Jackman's, Of the world. They are these actors who may not even utter a single line in the set, but they make everything feel full. And background acting and the use of AI has been a critical part of the negotiations in the strike because. The tricky thing about Hollywood is that you need to get a union card, you need to qualify to get an agent, all these kinds of things. And and becoming a background actor is a step up the ladder of getting a union card and therefore being able to get paid. And so there is a cyclical thing happening, whereas if you think it's actually fine, like, if you think about it, do you actually care if, like, in the stadium opening scene of Ted Lasso, all the people are real or they're CGI? We probably assume they were CGI anyway, But maybe they're not. And maybe actually they're real people who have been working towards becoming, you know, getting their union card. And that gig is actually really critical to them. So one of the issues was if background actors all became AI-generated, it was actually closing off a pathway for actors to make a living wage. That would be huge, right? Because a lot of people rise up through the background acting ranks and become actual, you know, speaking role actors. So it's an employment issue on that front. But to take it back to, like, what they agreed upon in the actor's contract, right, that broke the strike, the definition of a background actor is a digital version of a background actor's voice or likeness made with the actor physically present for scenes they didn't actually film. Interesting, right? And then in order to get the consent from the real actor to make the digital copy, again, it's about timing. You have to, under this new agreement... Send notification 48 hours in advance of uh, you know making that digital replica, and you also need to get from the actor a clear and separate consent for the use of the background actor's digital replica in a movie, and you also need to get from the actor a clear and separate consent for the use of the background actor's digital replica in a movie. Under the category of generative artificial intelligence. So this is like like ChatGPT style. So it's like you are
0: asking the AI to like make, like basically animate someone to do whatever whatever you want.
1: Right. So let's say, hey ChatGPT or whatever AI generator there is, make me a model of Tegan Taylor. Mm -hmm. Right? Make her have the same hair. Get in line. make her have the same eyes. We want to have the same beautiful sounding voice as (laughs) Tegan Taylor, right? Even at the point of me inputting that command, like, hey Make me a radio host who's got the same nose as Tegan Taylor, right? I can't even enter that command into whatever generative AI system I'm using until I have gone to you, Tegan, and said, excuse me, Tegan, I would like to create... An AI replica of you, which is you, a successful radio host, and I want them to have your exact same nose. Not even the voice, I don't know why, but I'm really fixated on them having the same nose as you. You would have to say yes to me before I can even punch that into whatever programming software I would need to make that happen.
0: I want to know about the actors and what they're doing, but really what I want is to be able to sit on my couch and watch my shows. So how is this going to impact me as a
1: viewer? Let me put it back to you. Does it matter to you whether the background actors are real people or they're AI? Does it matter to you to know, for example, when you saw that AI CGI version of a young Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones, how did that sit with you as a viewer to know that you were actually watching something that was a simulation and not the real thing? That's a really interesting example because you know that he's like acted it and
0: they've like youthed him down. The idea of every background actor in a show kind of being like a non-playable character, like sort of generated sort of person is kind of weird. It's creepy, right? I, I think so. I think the thing about movies and TV is that it's meeting some sort of emotional need for us as humans and the idea of something kind of maybe moving me on a very human emotional level that's being created
1: by something that isn't human. That is weird. That is weird, and I agree with you, but I'd also say that it's already happening. When we play games or... Yeah. (laughs) Right, we're being emotionally moved by completely digitised programming, characters, whatever they are. They're lines of code. So I guess it kind of speaks to the extraordinary power of this kind of technology, because if you can really make an AI actor be as convincing as the real thing, that's quite extraordinary as a technological feat. But I totally get what you're saying, Tegan, when it's like, it kind of hollows out the humanity of the entire experience. And when we think about pop culture, I think we do have such a strong emotional response to what we watch, what we listen to, how it resonates us with us at a personal level. And there is something a little bit uncomfortable to know that we humans, you know, with our souls and our feelings and our thoughts can kind of be taken in by that, right? And I think part of the whiplash of that is... We think we know these actors. We think we know these people. We have a parasocial Mm. relationship. And then so to know that actually, oh, hang on a second. Do I really know that person? Am I really connected? Can I actually be taken in? Is the AI just as good as the real thing, the living, breathing human being? I think from the perspective of the actor, that's disconcerting. From the perspective of the audience, that's also disconcerting. Having these
0: conversations with people... I'm hearing it again and again of people wondering whether maybe live shows will make a resurgent, whether maybe people will be drawn back to the theatre because that's a real human emoting in front of you when you maybe can you're see not the getting spittle yeah. flying out of their mouth and you, you know they're real. Do you reckon that kind of back to basics, sort
1: of like a paddock to plate kind of <laughs> uh, acting is
0: going to be a thing?
1: Here's the fair trade, real deal, human body, corporeal actor. You know, this play featuring real human actors. No artificial flavors, no artificial actors. I, like, it sounds like we are talking about some kind of never, never, oh, no, that could never happen. But we really can't rule it out, can we, Tegan? We've already seen so much happen in such a short Stretch of time. You know, the AI conversation is happening in acting. The AI conversation happened with the writer's strike. The AI conversation happened when OpenAI, the company behind ChatGP, kind of imploded and then rebuilt itself in the span of a week. So we are seeing this happen all over the place. So I don't think we can rule out the fact that we might see it in the theater world or wherever.
0: So for us plebs who are just sort of going along and enjoying this stuff, is there anything that we can or should be doing to support actors or to sort of make sure that the entertainment that we love now is going to be available to us in the future?
1: You know what I think actually, uh, which people probably aren't going to like hearing, is if you want to have the quality, I guess you have to support the industry. And what does that industry support look like? Uh, Maybe it means supporting like um, a Kickstarter for an indie film that you know someone is making and giving them a leg up. Maybe it means you no longer um, use your parents' login for all those (laughs) streaming services and you think, well, I'm going to actually pay for this so that the actor's can earn their bonuses if they're in a successful series. So all of this basically the true economics of the situation could actually even it out. So it's almost like you got to pay for it. If you want, uh, you know, if you want the organic meat mm. or the organic veggies, guess what? It's a little bit more expensive, but it's the investment that you're making. I think kind of the same thinking needs to apply. Yeah, Fair Trade Netflix. Bev, thanks so much for sharing. No worries.
0: Today's Quick Smart was created on the lands of the Jagera and Turrival, Gadigal and Wurundjeri people. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.